You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Three hits by Ottawa. This one sent down the left field line and down for a base hit. It goes all the way to the wall. Boucher on his horse. He will stand up at second base with a one-out double. And Sebastian Boucher is now two for three, but he is seven hits away from the all-time hits, hits record. Wilson stares in, gets the sign and fires. This one's hit off the edge of the bat on the ground to Mastroberti. He goes to Cartwright at second, and it's a force out to end the game. Champions hold on and fend off the Miners' comeback. They win it four to three for the second straight win against the Miners and their fifth win in the last six games. Welcome to the August 12th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game and also sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. I am Diamond Dante or Dante DeCaria joining uh, you for this Saturday and Sunday edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. I will be uh, running this show solo, but I have uh, a full pack show of guests plan for you. Um, joining me in my next segment, I will be joined with Sussex County Miners broadcaster Brett Luthner as uh, Corey Mess actually got sick on his way to the station and will not be available to uh, come on the show. So I'm doing this one solo. Uh, Michael Nellis, my other co-host, is uh, on a road trip in Toronto, maybe watching some Jays games. So uh, he's unavailable. The champions, though, are on a seven-game road trip are on a seven-game winning streak, my mistake, and are also on a seven-game road trip as well as they go into Sussex and New Jersey. The champions won three of four against the Jackals and also swept the Miners uh, just the other day. So Ottawa is now sitting at 43-34 and on the season. As I mentioned before, a seven-game winning streak, four and a half games behind the first-place Jackals in which they play a three-game series starting tonight. The champions are nine games over 500, 8-2 in their last 10, or third place in the Can-Am League. The Rockland Boulders, who were just first place two weeks ago, lost 11 in a row. They are now 39-35 and on the season, so they are starting to free fall at this point. The Miners, 28-46, and and the Aglas are 26-49, as uh, the Ottawa champions are doing great. Kenny Bryant hit the ball real well. Danny Grauer got Player of the Week honors, where he won Player of the Player of the Week. Austin Crisman also got Pitcher of the Week for the third time this year. He's had Pitcher of the Week twice and Pitcher of the Month. So Austin Crisman has now been excellent coming off an All-Star Game appearance. Same with Daniel Cordero, who pitched pretty good over the last stretch of games. These are Ottawa's two aces, and since the loss of Wilmer Font, uh, they've been real kill for the real key for them. Uh, coming in our next segment when I talk to Brett Luthner, um, I'm going to talk to him a little bit about Tim Tebow trying to make a comeback in professional sports, but this time baseball, played high school baseball. And according to MLB Pipeline, Tim Tebow is listed as a five-tool player, a guy who can play the outfield, a guy who can run, hit, and has a good arm. Of course, a former quarterback with the Denver Broncos and uh, New York Jets uh, in the NFL. So Tebow, a guy who at the age of 28, turning 29, has a chance to 
to uh, make an impact maybe in the independent leagues. And that's why I bring this topic uh, towards the show is because Thibaut has now signed in the Frontier League. That was the first offer he got. And the Frontier League is a developmental league. It's not more or less, yes, they want to win, but it's a league that uh, that tries to develop their players. And uh, I think it's going to be a good one for him, although the maximum age limit is 26. But since he is considered a rookie, has never played professional baseball before, he gets a chance at the Frontier League. So overall, uh, good decision by him. I know a couple Can-Am teams had contacted him, the Miners and the New Jersey Jackals had gave uh, Tim Tebow a phone call trying to get him to come to uh, their their squad. But, of course, uh, I think this is better for him. He spends one month in the Frontier League. Maybe goes and plays in Winter League. But at the end of the day, I do not think he's ready for the minor league system just yet because of how much experience he does has. He's only played as high as high school baseball. He should start an independent ball. If he does get good, some major league teams will uh, take a shot at him and he can go play in maybe A ball or low A or even rookie ball. But at his age, at the age of 30, uh, I don't know if if he could play, uh, if they would put him in rookie ball. But a lot of people have been saying that this is a publicity stunt. It's not. As far as I'm concerned, this is a guy who wants to turn his career around and wants to play professional baseball at the end of the day. So overall... It's going to be a nice topic. Brett Luthner, Miners broadcaster, um, has a little bit of insight on that and what he thinks about Tim Tebow. So we'll have to talk to him about that in our next segment. After that, I'll have a nice interview with Buffalo Bisons manager Gary Allenson. And Gary is a guy who has managed the Ottawa Lynx in the past. Uh, when they were here in Ottawa, he managed the Norfolk Ties in the Baltimore Orioles system in AAA. He's a guy who played for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a catcher for the Blue Jays in the 1980s behind Ernie Wett. Uh, he was with the Boston Red Sox in the, uh, I believe, late 70s and early 80s as a catcher there. And Gary Allenson has been around for a long time. He manages the AAA affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I, I look forward to talking to him. Also, coming on next week's show, we're going to talk with Adron Chambers in next week's show. Uh, but mainly, Gary Allenson comes on the uh, on the show because, you know, Wilmer Font, I've been trying to, to have a talk with him for quite a while. Finally, I've had it sorted out. Wilmer Font uh, was signed by the Buffalo Bisons, was signed by the Jays system. He has now been sent down to double-A. So I kind of want to ask about what him and Wilmer had kind of worked on and, and, you know, why he made the transition down to double-A and maybe why he wasn't ready for triple-A coming out of the Can-Am League. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also go in a little bit into his career as um, Gary has managed some familiar faces on the Ottawa Champions. He had a chance to manage Sebastian Boucher for a couple seasons in the Baltimore Orioles system in triple-A. He managed um, new Ottawa Champions right fielder Adron Chambers, who's uh, playing right field for the Ottawa Champions. He managed in Ottawa, so he's been in the city. I want to ask him a little bit about that. And then uh, I'm also going to talk to him about um, his career a little bit. So I'm looking forward uh, to talk to Gary Allenson. But if you look at the league leaders, Kenny Bryant has been on fire this week against the Miners this season as the champions sweep the Miners, hitting 323 against his former team with four home runs, and I believe it's 16 RBIs against the Miners this season. And guess what? Eight of Kenny Bryant's 10 home runs have came at home in Raymond Shabbat Grand Thornton Park. So something to talk about there is Kenny Bryant now has 10 home runs on the season. He hit two in the last week. And boy, he has absolutely been on fire. Danny Grower the other night was absolutely on fire as he uh, hit a home run to tie the game and to win the game. So Danny Grower hits home runs when they count. Champions to get Adron Chambers make a release. They released Derek Piles, who hit 
333 for them down the stretch, but unfortunately had to leave for personal reasons. And just going into New Jersey, the champions have struggled a little bit with pitching against the minors, but have really played well against the Jackals this season uh, in terms of pitching as Art Charles hasn't been able to hit the champions at home, but they're going to go on the road as taking a look at the league leaders. Art Charles still continues his case to be player of the year's uh, player of the year, third in the league in batting average with 350. His home runs 19 and 70 RBIs for Art Charles. So overall, one of the best players in the Can-Am League, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked up at the end of the season. Also coming on after Gary Allenson, the champions made a new acquisition. They signed a catcher out of the University of Maine, Jonathan Salcedo. He'll be coming on as I had a chance to actually talk with him at the ballpark, see what he has to say. He's a guy who um, he hit 208 in uh, in the University of Maine uh, in college, but this is a guy from Hallinier says has excellent defense and uh it needs to work on his hitting a little bit, but he thinks that they could do well enough along with Sebastian Boucher to hit. But at this point, the champions were looking for a good defensive catcher, a good a catcher, and that's no nothing saying against Danny Grauer, a good backup couch catcher, a guy who can come in and who can catch a couple games, get Danny off his feet, and someone that can um, to could uh, you know call a good game. And that's the most important part from when you're behind the plate, as Salcedo is a young catcher uh, in that sense. With that, we're going to wrap up this segment. Coming up next, I'll be joined with Brett Luthner of the Sussex County Miners to talk about the signing of Tim Tebow. And then we'll be joined with Gary Allenson and Jonathan Solsetto. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107. Hey, this is Jason Coker from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079, home to every single Ottawa Champions game and sponsored by Sambat, the original Mapleback Corporation since 1997. Joining me over the phone is Sussex County Miners Communications Director and Broadcaster Brett Luthner. Brett, welcome to the show. Hey, Dante, how's it going today? Not too bad, and uh, happy to have you back for uh, your second appearance on Around the Diamond. And of course, uh, while the the miners were in Ottawa, we had talked a little bit about on the side about you know Tim Tebow wanting to play professional baseball. I just want to start off with your thoughts on Tebow trying to make an appearance, maybe in the independent leagues and uh, and the minor league system as well. Well, independent leagues is the best way for him to go to start to get to learn the game a bit. Uh, you know, not not that pressure from an affiliated club. It's good. I think uh, he's a competitive guy. He really is. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna want to go out there and compete. I looked at his swing. It's kind of a little. It's a little long to it. Uh, the, they'll try to shorten that up there. It, it, it's tough because I really like the guy. I really like Tim Tebow. I uh, try to do a lot. You know, going through football and everything, and, and just it. I I don't want to see him fail. I'm just not so sure. Like if he's if he can short that swing up, if he can take the lessons and really get going, uh, then he could possibly have a career. I don't know if it'll ever get to major leagues. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, he only got as high as Double A, and that was a little bit of pressure when he was in Double A when he was in Birmingham because the, the White Sox really wanted to get him up to major league level. So yeah, let's let's start him out in the indie leagues. I think it's a good move. There's no pressure on Schomburg. It's a great business move. Um, you know, with Schaumburg there, uh, and just, you know, let's, let's see what he's got to offer. 
And of course, you mentioned that uh, that he had be, uh, he had signed in the front uh, signed in the Frontier League. Is that correct? Yeah, he said Schomburg had offered him a contract right away, and uh, from what I heard last night, this is that he signed on with Schomburg, and he's going to go play there. Um, you know, I'm sure other other programs reached out and contacted him, but from what I've heard, Schomburg's uh, going to be one of the And at the age of uh, 28, of course, Brett, you know. This is a guy who's, you know, still very athletic. He's a guy who's a, a won the the Heisman Trophy in football. A five, you know, he's a natural athlete and someone that I don't think would make a, a bad transition to baseball. But, you know, look, taking a look at the Frontier League, from what I've heard from players that have played in that league, it's more of a developmental league, a league where the coaches are going to kind of help you. So this may be a, a good transition for Tebow going into professional baseball. Yeah, it, it is. Again, there's no. There's no pressure from an affiliated ball club that they have to move them through the ranks. Um, it's it's good on all ends because they'll get to learn how to play the game a bit. Uh, you know, get to go to a team that that will be able to teach him. You know, shorten up the swing and get going. You know, he hasn't played baseball, I believe, since his sophomore year in high school. So it's it, it's good for him to learn the game. You know, not having played it in say eleven or twelve years. And and it's, it's a good business move for, you know, Schaumburg, uh, you know, on their end as well. And that's Brett Lufner of the Sussex County Miners joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, of course, you mentioned um, comparing him to, to Michael Jordan where he went right to double-A. Is this almost the same situation, Tim Tebow and Michael Jordan? Uh, it's similar, but it's different. Michael Jordan went right to affiliated ball. They put him with the Birmingham Barons back then after he had retired from basketball the first time. And it was a move that the, the White Sox wanted to, you know, give him a go and see if he can make it onto the major league roster. Um, this one's a little bit different in that uh, I think the the pressure may be a little bit less. Tebow may say, and, and his agent may say, that the goal is major league baseball. But uh, with Tebow, I think this is less pressure in that you're going through the, the independent system first. And then if a team truly believes that they could make a make a run with Tebow and try to get him to a major league spot, and they think he has enough talent, uh, then they'll sign him to a contract. So uh, it, it's it's a little bit different. It's similar in that you're going from one sport to another, but it's uh, at the same token, it's also different in, in the fact that there's not as much pressure as there was on Michael back in the 90s. And you're right about that. That's Breth Lufner joining us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, I saw a a quote from FoxSports.com saying Kurt Schilling says there's absolutely no chance that Tim Tebow has a chance to make the major leagues. At this point, at the age of 28, with the athleticism that Tebow has, do you feel he has a chance to even make it to AA or the minor league system or maybe even the major league someday? Um, well, first of all, Kurt, Kurt Schilling also says he's going to make a presidential run in eight years. So let's see if that comes to first. Um <laughs> Look, there's a chance for him to get to, you know, single A or double A. Major leagues, I think, is a very long stretch, and he'd really have to work. And he'd really – his problem in the NFL was he couldn't get rid of his long, looping throw. And that that created a problem because in the NFL, you know, you had rushing linemen that would come and slot that on when you loop it back and throw. And that was his problem and, and all the way through. With with this, if he can change his swing, if he can shorten it up, 
if you can make it a more compact, quicker swing, uh, then you have a chance because then scouts are going to sit there and say, all right, this guy's an athlete. All right, you know, you know, maybe he's not a butcher with the glove. All right, you know, you know, he can be worked on with his swing and he's shortened it up and results have been produced. Yeah, we can take a shot at him. I could see, you know, definitely, you know, single A or double A. I think triple A or the majors may be a stretch for Tebow, though. And you're right about that. That's Brett, Brett Luthner joining us here on Around the Diamond. I want to move over to the major leagues. There's been a couple big topics coming out of this week, and that's Alex Rodriguez, who is finishing his career off with the New York Yankees. Uh, at this point, with the you know the unfair farewell of Alex Rodriguez, do you feel that this is the end for Alex, or maybe do we see him sign with another team, as it's reportedly been said that the Marlins are interested? Well, the Marlins are definitely interested. It would definitely drive up ticket sales down there. Um, it would not surprise me in the least bit if after today the Marlins offered him a player-coach type of role. With um, Barry Bonds. It, it, yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if if A-Rod was, went down to, to Miami, his hometown, and maybe even in a few years when he finally realized that he can't play anymore, <laughs> he becomes the manager of the Marlins. So it, I, I wouldn't be surprised in a week or so uh, he's in a Marlins uniform. It would not surprise me. I'm not saying it will happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened in a week or so. And, of course, Brett, uh, another, you know, Joe Girardi came out. A couple of people were kind of upset that Girardi wasn't playing A-Rod. Of course, he's four home runs shy of 700 home runs in his career, and that would that would be an excellent milestone for not only him but just for baseball in general. Um, what do you feel of Girardi's comments where he said, you know what, I'm going to put the best lineup out there to win. I'm not doing any more farewell tours. No, he has to. Because especially now that the Yankees have gone through a youth movement and they've, they've acquired all these uh, these pieces that are going to help for the future. You got to see what what you got, you know. And some of these guys may be better than Alex Rodriguez today. And you know, Joe Girardi can't worry about doing farewell tours for the last few games. But I know Boston fans are upset. Uh, Derek Jeter's one thing; he's a lifelong Yankee, um, you know. But Mark, you know, if Mark Teixeira can't cut it, he can't cut it. If Alex Rodriguez can't cut it, he can't cut it. And so. For Girardi to come out and say, i got to put out the best lineup possible, he's got to do that. It's his job every day to put the best lineup possible out there. But it's also his job to see what he's got going forward uh, with this team. And do you maybe feel that Rodriguez has a chance to to break the, to get 700 home runs? If he goes back, if he plays for Miami, yes. And then I think he's got a realistic chance. Because they'll want to put him in the lineup every day. Or, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Now, I don't know how they're going to put him in the lineup every day because he'll have to play defense again, and I'm not so sure, you know, unless he plays first base. Uh, you know, I don't even know if that's happening. But, um, you know, the, the, the Marlins are going to want to put him in the lineup to give him that opportunity to get to 700, at least in the Marlins uniform. They would love to see that. And probably be more of a pinch hitter. But, uh, I mean, I want before we go, I want to move over to this one last topic. The Houston Astros have struggled a little bit this season. They've been on a surge. And pretty much since they made a release the other day designating Carlos Gomez for assignment. And this kind of surprises me. Although Gomez hasn't played too well this season, I would be very surprised that that the Astros went and released him. But this is a guy that, you know, has lots of talent but hasn't been able to put it together since coming over to the Houston Astros. I mean, what is... What is the timeline for him at this point? Do you think he signs with another major league team, or is this the end of Carlos Gomez? 
I think it's a minor league contract. The best for Gomez to start, he might get a, you know some kind of a minor league deal. I don't think major league teams going to want to offer him right now, unless it's a team that you know maybe let's take Kansas City for example, uh, who, who's had an off year compared to what they were last year or last two years, and they want to take a flyer on a guy that they know has talent, but it's you know is himself just having an off year there in Houston. Maybe they take a flyer on him and say, all right, you know what? We get, him, we get him to a low contract, he plays with us for a year or so, and who knows, maybe he's a, a key contributing piece to us going forward. You know, things like that, um, I don't think the Mets would do so. Maybe the Mets would do something like that. It would be kind of silly, but you know, maybe, you know, who knows? It's a team that's not as good as they were last year that maybe feels that if we get that guy in place, maybe he can help us not just this year but next year as well. Um, and it would be it would be kind of ironic if the Mets had gotten him because if you recall, he they almost got him in a trade. Yeah. Um, the infamous Wilma Flores crying on the field moment, mm-hmm. um, or the famous one here in New York. Uh, that could have been you know that would be kind of ironic if they went and got Carlos Gomez, then signed him to like a minor league deal or or some kind of low paying major league deal. And you're right about that because you know we we remember that last year they went out and got Cespedes and. You know, we saw Terry Collins the other day uh, freak out in a press conference about his team's play and how they're now just at 500. Of course, you showed me that video, and I watched it the other night as well. So I thank you for that, Brett. Uh, But uh, we're pretty much out of time. And uh, once again, Brett, we thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, we wish you and the Miners best of luck on the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Dante. Best of luck to the uh, Ottawa champions as well. You guys are looking good this year, I'll tell you that. And, uh, I mean, I hope so. We're on a seven-game winning streak, and uh, we look forward to uh, keeping that streak going. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That was Sussex County Miners broadcaster Brett Luthner. We thank him so much for coming on the show. Don't turn that dial, because coming up next, we'll be joined with Buffalo Bisons manager Gary Allenson. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Tyler Wilson from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the only baseball show in Ottawa. You're listening to Around the Diamond live here on CKDJ 107.9, home to every single Ottawa Champions game, and also sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. My guest joining me over the phone for this segment is Gary Allenson. Gary is a former big league catcher and current manager of the Buffalo Bisons which is the AAA affiliate to the Toronto Blue Jays. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. And and to start things off, I want to ask you about Ottawa champions, uh, former ace Wilmer Fawn. Earlier last mo- month, you went and signed uh, Wilmer out of uh, the Can-Am League. And uh, this is a guy who had former big league experience. And, and what went through the thought process of putting him straight into AAA at that point? Well, we had some openings up here. And uh, it was a spot open. We slid him in the rotation. Uh, a couple good ones, uh, but I'm not so good there. Uh, it wasn't really good to make termination on on things, but uh, pretty good fastball. Had some movement on it. He's uh, breaking ball and his split. Probably need to get better. And uh, and of course, I wanted to ask you, how did you guys end up finding finding Wilmer enough to go looking in in the in the, in the independent leagues at that point to to get help on the pitching yeah, side of things? Yeah. 
that 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 that's not me. I got nothing to do making a lineup out every day as a management club there. But uh, we were looking for a dog in there, uh, and I think our bond director, uh, who was with the Rangers before he came to New Wilmer, and uh, that's how we got him. Okay, sounds good. And, and you know, we have a, a couple of your former players on the Ottawa Champions, one being Adron Chambers and Sebastian Boucher. Of course, I want to start off with Sebastian Boucher. Uh, he's just broke the RBI record and run scored record in the Can-Am League. I wanted to ask you about your time managing Sebastian Boucher with the Norfolk Tides. Yeah, that's been a while ago. Uh, I think I, I looked it up, 07 and 08 or 08. Uh, he wasn't, I believe we picked him up off a of waiver. I'm guessing Seattle, and uh, came to me. Uh, only had about 70 or 80. That's I uh, hit 280 for me one year. It was a pretty good bus field. I uh, did a pretty good job. Very nice guy, professional. Uh, radar. And that's Gary Allenson, former Major League catcher and current manager of the Buffalo Bisons, joining us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, I want to go to a guy that the champions had just acquired a couple days ago, and that's Adron Chambers. You had a chance to manage him, I believe, in 2014. Uh, just from your perspective, what kind of a player are the Ottawa champions getting in Adron Chambers? You know what? He, uh, I believe we also picked him up from Astros. And uh played pretty good. I think he hit 280 for us. Uh, played basically left field. Uh, above his runner, I don't recall him being a base keeper. Uh, uh, really, hit the ball the other way. Left hand hitter hits the ball the other way. But he'll pick out a time. You can use you the ball when, when he gets a pitch hit. And you mentioned the hitting of Adron Chambers, but uh, the champions outfield has kind of struggled defensively this season. So do you think he can maybe help Ottawa in terms of defensive side of things? We haven't seen too much out of him, but what would you say? Uh, I mean, how good is his arm in right field? You know what? I don't recall him having an average arm. I think it's a little bit average, but he can, he, he can, run, him, he can run him down. At least he could a couple years ago, and he plays hard. Perfect, and and I wanted to ask you about your squad this year with the Buffalo Bisons, and 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 just staying on the same topic of independent ball in the Can-Am League. You guys have your first baseman in Chris Colabello, who came out of the Can-Am League and is almost like a journeyman, has a great story behind things. And uh, of course, he had the thing in, uh, going at the beginning of the season. He's now helping you guys win some games in AAA. I mean, could we see maybe him being called up with the Blue Jays anytime soon? Uh, maybe when you expand to the forty-man rosters. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm sure that'll probably happen. He has gone through his struggles down here. So uh, yet, but close to two and a half, three months. So he's probably kind of at the at the stage now. Now his season was in the spring training for him, fighting to get his time to get the bat on the ball. That was much better. But uh, you know, just as long as he gets selected by the last. And that's Gary Allenson joining us here on Around the Diamond, former Major League catcher and current manager of the Buffalo Bisons. Uh, your center fielder, Dalton Pompey, a guy who uh, you, know, I, you know Canadians know pretty well. He's a guy that will most likely be representing Canada at the World Baseball Classic in 2017. I mean, how have things kind of gone with him, his development this season? Uh, he's, you know, he's been injured a few times. He's healthy now. He's in 80. Uh, and he's got a Finding himself 
Uh, he's playing well right now. We here in left. Uh, and uh, obviously a face team with not a lot of it back. So uh, he's the kind of guy that talks to other guys, gets on base and happy for the opposition. And, of course, in 2003, you had a chance to manage the Ottawa Lynx. Of course, uh, no longer does Ottawa have a AAA team. I mean, what can you tell us about your experience managing the Ottawa Lynx uh, back in 2003 and your time being in Ottawa and in the capital of Canada? Well, all I can tell you, we started off uh, probably the first two and a half months, maybe three months, just being a 500 team, a couple of games over 500, a couple of games under, and I had some good players. And... Uh, that was the Orioles uh, AAA affiliate then. And I had good players like Brian Roberts, Larry Pitts, And within the first two months, I lost them all. Uh, we actually played our best baseball with guys that weren't big league players. Uh, we got to August, and I think went 20 games in the month of August. Won some fourth or fifth place in the wild card to become the wild card team there. It was a fun year. It was a fun year except for the travel across the board. And, and and after you were with the Ottawa Lynx, you went over to the Carolina Mudcats, which I which I believe at right now is A ball at this point. What was it then? It was a Southern League. And and so well, I mean, what was your transition going from uh, from the Ottawa Lynx over to the Carolina Mudcats, and then eventually getting a job with the Norfolk Tides? How did you end up getting going through that stage? Well, you know what, I'm a, well, I was a little bit of a stubborn cat back in the day. There, I didn't like the way things were going. What they thought of me, I just put something else. And I did that. I ended up going to Norfolk, uh, where I met my wife. Uh, she was 1978. I her there. worked at the ballpark. It's tied with the whole ballpark. So I got a chance to manage five years. I know the, the GM there, Dave Rose, is still probably the best time I have. And, and and going over to uh, the other part of your man- managing career, you started off in the Toronto Blue Jays system with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. I mean, how did that kind of play out when you ended up uh, being the full-time manager of the Bisons in AAA? How did the promotion uh, bring you up, and, and what did you do to get that promotion as well? Well, I was I, I, I came to the Blue Jays new in 2013 there, and the double-A spot was open, so I met a couple of the guys that are in the big league, uh, uh, Kevin Tolar's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that once these, the, the AAA spot opened up, and they, they um, you know, promoted uh, the Buffalo. So, you know, I've been here three years now. And obviously, congratulations on being uh, with the Buffalo Bisons. That's Gary Allenson, former catcher and manager of the Bisons, joining us here on Around the Diamond. And one guy that made a, a stop through uh, the Ottawa Champions team this year was Brian Van Kirk. And I know you had a chance to manage him with uh, the uh, New Jersey. Uh, it was the New Hampshire Fisher Cats at the time. Um, did you remember managing Van Kirk at that point? Yeah, pretty good hitter. Uh, you know what? I think I had him. Was, was more of a uh, was more of a fourth down. Uh, at the time, I had Kenny Wolf. And so I ended up uh, losing one of them there. Kurt or Van Kurt is the play left field. Pretty good hitter. Sees a lot of pitches. Gets on base. Uh, gets fast. Uh, did all right in the outfield. And uh, yeah, I think a below average solid there, but uh, not a bad player at the moment. And going to your to your um, to your playing career when you were a catcher with the Toronto Blue Jays and I believe with the Boston Red Sox, but what was your what was the best time that you had being a catcher in the major leagues, having to catch you know some of the best pitchers, including I don't know if you had a chance to catch David Eckersley and maybe even Dave Steve at that point. Uh, 
cut at, at when he was a starting pitcher uh, for, what, uh, four years, five years? I actually I caught Clemens' his first game, his first big league game in 1984. But any big big around that atmosphere there and playing in front of a lot of fans, obviously exciting there, and it was, it was a big come true. And, of course, Gary, um, you had played with the Toronto Blue Jays in 1985. Did that kind of help you get the job with the Jays in 2013? Well, you know what? You're asking the wrong guy that question there, but I'm sure it didn't, I'm sure it didn't hurt. <laughs> um, so, so I guess uh, to finish things off, I wanted to ask, I mean, what is Wilmer Font in order? You know, a lot of fans here in Ottawa had a chance to talk with Wilmer. He was great with the fan base. Uh, but before we go, I want to ask you, what does Wilmer have to do uh, to get back up with, uh, with uh, AAA and maybe get promoted? He's a guy with, who, uh, you know, he had a cup of coffee with the big leagues. And it must be a kind of a tough transition for him because he's not throwing 100 miles an hour like he did with Texas. No, but he does have a good army. It's good fastball. It's got a live fastball. It's got movement. But his secondary pitch is a the ball and his changeup or split or whatever it is. That, that's got to improve. I mean, so much at this level, and especially the big leagues, is having a quality hit, possibly a third pick, that you could throw a fastball back in the count and probably got to do more. And uh, once again, Gary, we thank you so much for coming on Around the Diamond, and uh, we thank you for coming on and talking about Wilmer, and uh, we look uh, we look forward to see uh, him back up with your team maybe down the down the road, and uh, uh, best of luck on the rest of the season. All right, thank you. I appreciate having you guys. That was Buffalo Bison's manager, Gary Allenson, joining us here on Around the Diamond. We thank him so much for coming on the show, as uh, he has a busy schedule with the Bisons. But coming up next, I will uh, be joined with Jonathan Salcedo as I had a chance to talk with him at the ballpark about joining the Ottawa Champions and being the new catcher or backup catcher with Ottawa. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Before I was talking with Buffalo Bisons manager Gary Allenson. Now, uh, just in a moment, I'm going to play an uh, interview that I did with Jonathan Salcedo of the Ottawa Champions, new acquired catcher who will be serving as the backup to Danny Grower, making a couple spot starts here and there. According to Hal Lanier, has a good bat, uh, but can play some real good defense behind home plate, and that's what the champions have been lacking. Um, other than Danny Grower, haven't been able to find a catcher uh, to play as good as defense as Hal Lanier says Salcedo uh, has. And the reason why Hal Lanier went and got Salcedo is because um, the same guy that recommended Michael Mastroberti recommended Salcedo. Mastroberti off the bench is hitting 293, adds good speed, can play left and right and can play second, short, and third all over the diamond. This is the guy you want on the bench, and he's also very young at the age of 23. So we'll get to that interview that's coming up right now on Around the Diamond. Jonathan Salcedo, new champions catcher. All right, I'm joined here with uh, Jonathan Salcedo. And uh, Jonathan, welcome to the Ottawa Champions, of course. And uh, you're going to be serving as, a, a, I guess, a, a new catcher on the team. So let's start things off by, uh, by asking you, uh, what do you bring to the Ottawa Champions as far as catching and also... Uh, at the plate as well. Um, well, I uh, think I'm better defensively than I am offensively. I uh, I have a strong arm. I 
I, uh, I can throw some people out, block the ball, receive the ball well, manage the uh, pitching staff pretty well. Um, as far as offensively, I can get some, uh, get a few key hits here and there. But uh, yeah. And when I talked to Hal Lanier yesterday, he had mentioned in post-game comments that uh, you, you bring a, a good de- defensive ability behind the plate and also good baseball cue based off, uh, I guess, your former coach or somebody he had talked to. So basically, how did, how did you get in contact with the Ottawa champions and how did you eventually get signed? Well, I started off, I did a, it's called the Indie Pro Showcase. I did it in uh, San Jose, California. Um, did a little workout over there. Uh, Nick Belmonte saw me there, and he uh, he made a few phone calls and got me got me a job here. So I guess knowing Nick was really key to getting this because Nick and Hal are pretty close. He always kind of talks to him about those things. But uh, let's go back to your to your catching duties behind the plate. This year we've gone for about six or seven catchers uh, behind the plate, and it seems like finally getting you at the end of the season. That's you know a guy that like you mentioned has good baseball IQ, calls good pitches, and blocks behind the plate is definitely nice and something uh, important that you bring to the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I heard you guys went through a few catchers. Um, I mean, I'm here. I'm. I'm going to give you guys my all. Work hard every day. And you mentioned that your family's from the Dominican Republic, and we've got, I think, a few Latin players. You've got some Venezuelans, some Cubans, and one Dominican guy. So it must be nice that... And they're, and they're all pitchers, pr- uh, pretty much. So when you're behind the plate and catching them, you, when you go out to the mound and kind of talk to them or pregame, it's kind of nice to communicate them in that way as well. Absolutely. That, uh, that's pretty cool that I get to uh, get to talk to some guys in Spanish have different communication, uh, can really get into what they want me, what they want to throw, what they're, what they're looking for, things like that. And growing up, uh, I mean, were you always a catcher or did you play in some other positions as well? Um, I mean, I caught my whole life, but right around like 14, 15 years old, I started going into shortstop, third base, and pitching and all that. But once I, uh, once I got a little older, I, I stuck to catching. And you mentioned that you're from the University of Maine. You're coming over here. You're, you're looking to make your first appearance in professional baseball in the Indy Leagues. Uh, how was your time at the University of Maine, and what did you learn the most there? Um, well, I learned how to be more organized with organized baseball. Like, I learned how to mature. I learned learned a bunch at school. I mean, uh, nothing, not one thing in particular, but, I mean, I just... I learned how to become a man at school. It was, it was, it was a good experience there. And John, growing up through your time, was there anyone that you really looked up to, anyone that uh, you wanted to be like being a catcher, any type of catcher or player that's playing in the major leagues today that uh, that you always mo- kind of modeled yourself after? I mean, I kind of looked up to all those catchers. I mean, anyone in that, in that caliber I, I, I looked up to. But, I mean, if I was to pick one person, I'd probably say... Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. I saw him. I associated myself with him more because him being Hispanic, and I don't know. I just thought I had a special bond with him there. But yeah, Yadier Molina. And finally, John, I wanted to ask you. You know, if you could give anyone credit for you getting to this point, who would that be? Whether it's your parents, coaches, or uh, other people that helped you along the way. I'd say my family. My family helped me through everything, uh, through thick and thin through everything. They've, they've always been there for me, so I'd definitely send my, par- my parents, my brothers, my whole family. John, thanks a lot, and best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Good day.
Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the only baseball show in Ottawa. You're listening to the final segment of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Before I was talking with Jonathan Salcedo of the Ottawa Champions, new catcher that they acquired, but now... Um, since I still have a little bit of time left on my hands uh, f- until the one-hour mark, I'm going to play for you one of my favorite interviews that I did a while back with Max Tissenbaum, I think three weeks ago, and he was a great guy, uh, draft pick of the Toronto Blue Jays, and now a catcher with the Quebec Capitals. He had a lot of good things to say uh, about watching Derek Jeter back in the day, so I'm going to play for you that interview, then I'll be right back after that uh, for the outro of the show. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Max Tissenbaum is up next. My guest for this segment is Canadian Max Tissenbaum. Max is a native of Toronto, Ontario, and is a former draftee of his hometown in Toronto, Blue Jays, and is also a former draftee of the San Diego Padres. Uh, Let's now welcome Quebec Capitals catcher Max Tissenbaum to the show. Max, happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. And uh, no problem. Just to start start things off, I want to go back to be to the beginning of your career where you were drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the 43rd round out of York Mills High School, which is also loca- located in Toronto, Ontario. Before we go in-depth in that, Max, I want to ask you a little bit about how you exactly uh, got scouted out of that high school and how the Blue Jays ended up drafting you. Um, I think that that was through my time with the Toronto Mets and the Canadian Junior National Team. Um, we played a really competitive schedule with the Mets and then obviously with Team Canada going down and playing against some of the professional teams in the Dominican and then in Florida during the, uh, the fall and the spring trips with the national team. Um, so I was out there quite a bit in high school um, and it was just playing a ton of games in front of a lot of, uh, a lot of scouts. And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And right after you had been drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, you had been uh, you had chose to go to Stony Brook University. What kind of made you want to go there instead of signing with the Jays? Um, I knew at the time when they picked me with the round, um, how late it was in the draft, that it was going to be a, a real long shot to make it to the big leagues right out of high school. I didn't feel like I was ready for baseball to be a job either. At 18 years old, I thought I needed some time to mature um, physically and mentally. So um, Stony Brook had made a great offer for me to come to school there. It was a really, really good school academically and had a baseball program that was on the rise and it was a spot where I'd be able to get playing time as a freshman. So it really just worked out um, with everything sort of coming together at the same time. So you would say that you probably grew as a baseball player because you had got drafted, you know, in the 11th round, whereas, you know, three years earlier you had been drafted out of the 43rd round. Was that kind of, that that kind of play into a factor, not only academically, but just the school itself? Because it seems like you can maybe say to yourself when you went to Stony Brook, I don't know what you studied there, but you could say to yourself, well, if baseball doesn't work out, I have a fallback. Yeah, I I did a um, business uh, degree with a specialization in marketing. So I got three years of that out of the way. And then definitely improved as a as a baseball player. And again, it's it's mental and physical. Um, sort of learning how to train my body when I need days off, when I need to increase my workloads and stuff. So it was uh, it was as much a physical thing as a mental thing, even on the baseball field. That's Max Tissenbaum from the Quebec Capitals joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just from, you know, looking up and down, you were drafted as a middle infielder, but once you got into the minor league affiliated ball, you spent some time at first base, a little bit of second base. 
I'm just curious to know how you picked up catching because you hadn't caught one single game in your professional career until you ended up in A-ball with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2014. Yeah, so I've been I've been hearing since I was 13 or 14 years old that I was too slow to be a middle infielder moving forward. Um, so I've known all along that that move was coming. Um, and then at the end of the 2013 season, the San Diego Padres brought me to Instructional League um, to start transitioning me as a catcher. I was traded that offseason to the Rays, and when I got to spring training, they asked me um, what my thoughts were on catching. And I told them, if I can be in the lineup every day and get my four or five at-bats, I'll do whatever I can to help the team. Um, and they said they thought the best option would be to catch. So we went full, full steam ahead in spring training in 14, and I worked a lot with their catching coordinator, Paul Hoover, and did a ton of receiving work, a ton of blocking work, and opened the year as a catcher. And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And of course, I mean, how was the transition from being a middle infielder to a catcher? Because I know Russell Martin had also been a middle infielder as well and, and caught a little bit. I mean, how was the transition? Was it tough having to block, you know, pitches in the dirt and getting used to that position? Yeah, it was It was really difficult. Um, you're looking at the game from a completely different point of view. There's a million more things that you've got to actually think about with the, the pitch calling and the sort of managing the game, managing the pitchers. Um, so from that side of things, it was a lot of learning because I had never had to be in charge of things before. Um, so it was a lot more thinking. Um, and then obviously the, the physical side of being in the squat for three hours at a time, um, having to be in a ready stance when there's runners on, knowing when to block, knowing when to sort of try and get a pitch for um, for a strike as opposed to just sort of giving up on it and catching it. Um, there's a lot of like really small details that I don't think a lot of people realize until they get back there with a really high-level catching coach. And that's Max Tissenbaum from the Quebec Capitals joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just to follow up on that, from watching you play this season, Max, uh, it, it's brought a lot to my attention that you bring a lot of versatility to the Quebec Capitals as you manage to move around from catcher to second base to third as well. So, I mean, how does that feel uh, in prepping for the game before, taking ground balls at third and at second? And, I mean, is it any different when you have to do it mid-game? Um, it's a little different going in um, in the middle of the game. It's only happened a couple times where I've gone from catching to playing infield. Um, but having spent so many years as an infielder, um, like I've been playing competitively from the time I was seven or eight years old. I'm now almost 25. Um, the majority of my years and practice were in the infield. So I can sort of almost get away with a little bit less work there and more work on my catching at times. Mm-hmm. So the, the fact that I've been doing it for so long means that it, it's pretty easy to maintain. Quebec. Quebec Capitals catcher Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And just this season, I've noticed, I mean, just this season, I noticed that he had started off the year with the Miami Marlins system in A-ball, but were eventually released after just nine games where, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you performed pretty well. Seven hits in nine games, seven RBIs uh, also in those nine games. Max, once you got cut from the Marlins, how did you find another job so quick with the Capitals? Was it just knowing someone on the team like a Jonathan Mallow, or did management kind of go out and find you? Um, I think that management was, they've been looking, they've been actively searching for guys, even never since I've got here. They've been always on the lookout for new guys. Um, but my agent, Blake Karofsky, um immediately when he found out, um, gave me a call and said, what do you think about going up to Quebec? 
Um, and I think he made the first call to kind of put my name out there and say that I was interested in playing. And then uh, Pat Scalabrini, the manager, and Blake kind of got in touch and went back and forth. And Blake told me that they wanted me to come up here. So it was a, a pretty easy decision. And it's one thing that I've noticed as well, just from, uh, you know, covering the Ottawa champions and also covering some of your games as well, is that there's, a, you know, a good amount of Canadian baseball players, including yourself, on the Quebec Capitals. Was that anything to maybe look at when you're coming to the Capitals? And now that you're there, is it kind of cool to have a, a good amount of Canadian content on the team? Yeah, it was really nice. Once I uh, once I decided that, yeah, I was going to come up here, uh, I looked at the roster and I noticed a whole bunch of names that I've played with and against. Um, Jazz Ricard, one of our starting pitchers, mm-hmm. I played with him in college, and I played against him my whole life. Our closer, John Fitzsimmons, yeah. and I played against each other forever growing up. Um, and actually, my first year playing competitively when I was seven, Marcus Connect was on the same team as me as an eight-year-old. So wow! I've known uh, I've known a few of the guys for a really long time, and that definitely helped with the comfort factor coming in. And, uh, you know, just to mention that, uh, John Fitzsimmons, I came on my show about a month ago, and it was really nice to have him on because he had that scoreless inning streak. Of course, he's only allowed one run. He is now representing the Can-Am League at the American Association Self-All-Stars team. Uh, I mean, how nice has it been to have a guy like John Fitzsimmons on your team, knowing that when he comes in to the ninth, it's pretty much already over, as uh, us Ottawa fans have, you know, had a chance to watch that. And and is is it really tough to kind of catch Fitzsimmons, or is it, you know, very, you know, pretty fun to catch him as well? Oh, it's, it's awesome to catch it. Um, you really get back there. He's got a good three-pitch mix. Um, and both Adam Ehrlich and I, we know what he wants to do as a pitcher. He's got a really, really good idea of how to pitch to different hitters. So there's very few times when he's shaking us off. There's very few times when we're sort of trying to figure out what one another are thinking. Um, he's always in attack mode, and he's always right around the strike zone. So it's a lot of fun to go and catch a guy like that who's got – really high-end stuff. And that's Max Tissenbaum joining us here on Around the Diamond. And uh, growing up being a, a local Toronto boy, you, you I don't know if you were always a, a Toronto Blue Jays fan, but was there anyone that you might have looked up to in particular that uh, that made you the way you are today? Yeah, I've always been a Blue Jays fan um, growing up. My grandfather um, is a season ticket holder. He has been since the first year in 77. Wow. So I grew up going to ball games with him and following the team. Um, I always tell this one story when I was 10 or 11, we went down to spring training and we were actually going to see the blue Jays at the Yankees place up in Tampa. And I was a shortstop at the time and we get to the practice fields and it's about 10 o'clock in the morning before a one o'clock game. And on this one practice field by himself is Derek Jeter taking ground balls. And I remember thinking to myself, like this guy's a, an all-star every year. He's the gold glover every year. And he's the first guy out on the field taking extra ground balls. That's the guy I want to be. Um, so that's kind of stuck with me as something that sort of drives me to be the guy that shows up first and leads last and is always willing to do as much as I can to put myself in a position where I can chip in whatever I can to the team. That's pretty crazy. And thanks for sharing that. But, uh, Going back to catching a little bit, uh, when you started catching in 2014 with the Tampa Bay Rays system, of course you went to spring training with them. Um, who would you say is the best pitcher that you've ever had to catch in your career to this point? Uh, I knew it would get you there. <laughs> yeah, um, I've caught a lot of guys, um, a bunch of the, the Rays big league guys um, on rehab starts or in bullpen. Um, so I've caught Matt Moore, I've caught Alex Colomay, 
Um, I think I caught a side for Alex Cobb, Joel Peralta. There's a, a ton of big league guys that come through the Florida State League on rehab. That's a really tough one to pick out one guy. Um, I think starting pitching-wise, probably be Taylor Guerrero. Okay. Um, he's up in double-A with the Rays now. Actually, might even be in triple-A. Um, really good, really good mix of a plus fastball at 93, 95 miles an hour and just absolutely lights out breaking stuff. And I guess, can you tell us, once you got into the race system, was there anyone there, maybe a veteran or, or some sort of player coach that uh, kind of helped you uh, a little bit in the minor league system? It could be either with the uh, San Diego Padres, the Rays, or even Miami Marlins. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, um, it's, it's Paul Hoover, the catching coach with the Rays. Um, I've had I've had tons of coaches over all my years of playing, and I, I tell everybody, I think he was one of the best technical teaching coaches um, he broke everything down to its simplest form with all sorts of different drills that would help not only teach the skill, but sort of give you that aha moment where you understand why. And that was huge for me because having absolutely no training, no experience as a catcher, I had to really learn how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. Um, and all those little sort of step-by-step drills that he did, the process work was huge, huge, huge in getting to the point that I was able to catch consistently in games. And since this is your first, you know, full season going into indie ball, what would you say is the main difference between affiliated baseball and independent baseball? I've always asked, um, you know, most independent players and minor league players that do come on the show this question, so I'm just curious to know your answer. I think for me it's been the fact that here we're trying to win um, this year with this group. Um, versus in the minor leagues where it's all about player development and sort of future value. Um, there will be times in a minor league season where somebody who may not be right for a situation in a game today is put into a situation um, because eventually down the road, that's where the organization sees them playing. Um, when you come out to independent ball, we're worried about winning a championship this year, winning games every night. So rather than going to somebody who may be isn't ready for that ninth inning role. Um, we're going to go to fifth every single time we've got a three-run lead in the ninth inning, um, and we might use it multiple nights in a row. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference: is the playing to win championships versus playing to develop championship-caliber players. And now that you've came over from affiliated ball to the Quebec Capitals, of course, when you first signed, it, you know, seeing that Quebec was interested in you might have been a little bit enticing. To, to yourself because it's a nice city it's a big city it's a nice market they got lots of nice restaurants uh you know of course it, it might feel a little bit different with the people speaking french i mean how, how how much of a transition has that been for you it's been great I, I, I really love this city i've been here one time before for a tournament when i was 16 um so i've seen the ballpark before i've never been inside of it actually um but the big city has been awesome i've only ever played in sort of smaller towns throughout my minor league career. So being uh, a much more major city has been awesome. There's tons of stuff to do, restaurants to go to. Um, it's nice to have a little variety. And I'm starting to, to pick the French back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, being Canadian, I had to learn it in, in school. So yep. it's been a little while since I've used it, but it's starting to come back. 
And of course, Max, before we go, I have a question for you. Um, you mentioned before in the uh, in the interview that uh, you had played for the Canadian Junior National Team. Um, what can you tell us about that experience going over to the Dominican uh, Republic and playing against teams there? And um, are there any players that you had played with on the Junior National Team that are in a minor league affiliated ball right now or in the majors uh, at this point? Well, there's uh, the, my first trip I was playing as a 17-year-old with the 18-year-old. Um, so that year I was playing with Brett Laurie. He was sort of the keystone piece on that team. Um, now in the big league with the White Sox. Um, Marcus Connect was on that team. Uh, and there's a ton of other guys that are still in the minor leagues. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really cool experience for me to go down on all of those trips. Dominican was just my first one. Um, but to wear Canada across your chest on the jersey and have the maple leaf on your hat, um, it was a really, really proud moment for me because it was one of those times where I could sort of take it all in and go, you know what, I've, I've worked really hard for this, and it was really gratifying to sort of feel like I was in that upper echelon of Canadian talent and representing our country. So it was, uh, it was a really, really proud moment and uh, a really exciting time for me. And now i got a question for you, to, a follow-up for that. What year was that when you had played with Brett Laurie? That would have been 2000. So I got a question. So I got a question. Um, did Mike Kasavich coach you on that team? No. Ah, damn it. No, I don't think he did. Because he said that he had, he had, uh, he was my old coach and he had and he had played in AAA. So I was just wondering. I thought I could uh, pull something. Anyways, uh, so that's going to wrap up this interview. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Around the Diamond, and uh, we look forward to I look forward to, to seeing you against the Ottawa Champions, I believe, this coming upcoming week, and uh, uh, we hope you guys don't crush us like you did. <laughs> well, uh, I can't really promise anything there, but thank you for having me on. It's been fun. That was Max Tissenbaum of the Quebec Capitals, and that's the sound of it. Wrapping up the August 13th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. We thank you so much for tuning in. But tune in next week as former Major League outfielder and World Series champion with the St. Louis Cardinals, Adron Chambers, will be joining me on Around the Diamond to talk about his career, a special interview with Mr. Adron Chambers. That's coming next week as the Ottawa champions just signed him. You can search him up on YouTube for all of his videos. And his walk-off hip against the Pittsburgh Pirates will have that for you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante, and you can listen to all past episodes on my SoundCloud, Diamond Dante Audio. Thank you so much for listening to the August 13th edition of Around the Diamond. We'll see you next week.